Hello and welcome to the Inspire Your Life podcast series. I am your host, Arthi Wabikrisun, and I am the founder and MD of Prerna Advisory, based in South Africa. My philosophy and that of my business is to inspire others to make step changes that changes their lives purposefully and productively. Therefore, I coach, consult, capital raise and partner with all you crazy, beautiful people in the world to make that happen. Joining me on the show today is Dr. Ryan Lati, who is the founder and managing principal of Org Leader based in Southern California. He's the author of a book called The Finesse Factor, as well as a contributor to Forbes on leadership, talent management, and organizational effectiveness issues. Ryan serves mid-size and Fortune 500 companies that are driven by science, technology, engineering, and math. So basically your STEM businesses. And he particularly focuses on enabling the leadership of these companies to develop key capabilities so that they can further optimize their organizations. This is such crucial work that you're doing, Ryan. And I'm so pleased that you can be here today to share some of your personal insights. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. Brilliant. I'm so glad you could join me today. And I know it's early in the morning for you where you are. So I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Let's get to know you a little bit more, Ryan. Tell us more about yourself. Well, I am a strategic advisor to STEM organizations, as you mentioned, as well mm -hmm. as the leaders who run them. I especially help these leaders handle uncertainty and risk. Okay. So uh, although I am a business professional, I'm technically trained as an industrial organizational psychologist. So okay. business first, but that background kind of comes into play as well. Absolutely. But when I leave the office, my happy place is really the outdoors mm -hmm. or the gym. That's typically where you'll find me. Okay. I prefer to be active, you know, hiking, cycling, doing something fitness oriented. Oh, lovely. This also allows me to kind of indulge in my other, I guess you could call vice, which is different foods. So mm -hmm. I can do that with less guilt. So <laughs> one kind of counterbalances the other. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Well, I love that. Balancing the food with the fitness. Great combination. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Ryan, you've had quite a stellar career, but I know when, when we were sort of getting together, you mentioned to me that there was a specific time where you yourself faced some uncertainty and even some personal risk. So maybe first up, can you clarify what is the difference between uncertainty and risk? And thereafter, maybe just share a little bit more about what actually, what actually happened to you. Of course. As far as uncertainty and risk, we, we all face uncertainty and risk on a daily basis, mm -hmm. especially in our careers. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about uncertainty, I mean a situation you have not encountered before or okay. a circumstance that may be similar, but something new is added to make it uncertain. Okay. Uh, just to give you an example, for example, you may attend a meeting which is similar to others, but in this one particular meeting, a very important executive unexpectedly join the, joins the meeting mm -hmm. who has a very short temper. And Goodness. during the course of that meeting, you also discover that you completely disagree with this person. Okay. So that's what I mean by uncertainty. Right. And of course, anytime you have uncertainty, you will have risk. Mm -hmm. So 
there is risks because if you mishandle the situation, it could quickly go sideways on you or have the opposite effect of what you wanted. Right. So if I use that same example with the executive, you may say something or say it in the wrong way that sets off that executive with a short temper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good example. So that's, that's what I mean by uncertainty and risk. Okay. As far as the experience that, that comes to mind, there mm-hmm. is one that I had to deal with quite a bit of uncertainty and risk. Mm-hmm. It involved a collection of achievement-oriented leaders that was struggling to operate as an executive team of a growing company. Mm -hmm. So what they were dealing with was distrust, a silo mentality, and a lack of mutual accountability. And I was brought in to help them become a more effective executive team, You know how they work together as a team, leading the company, and as individual leaders of their areas of the company. Okay. So that's kind of the, the setting. Uh, in between one of our regular meetings, uh, I received a troubling call from one of the executives. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the sake of our conversation, I'll just call him Bill. That's not his real name, but okay. just makes it easier if I refer to him as Bill. Right. On the call, Bill was clearly frustrated, uh, and he just launched into it that the company's performance in the last quarter was not good. The team was not where he thought it should be, mm-hmm. and he blamed me for it. Oh, goodness. So yeah. Put, put me on the spot. Uh huh. Uh huh. So it did catch me a little bit off guard. This is not a scheduled call, but that's not what caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes when working with leaders and leadership teams, I will get calls to help them think through how to handle a tricky situation that's coming up in a meeting. Yes. And there was an executive team meeting in about a day and a half, and I was going to see him then. Uh, So that really still wasn't what caught me off guard. What caught me off guard was the degree or intensity with which he was coming after me. Okay. So he was, he was clearly frustrated. And at that point, I didn't know how much was really due to the company performance, how much was really the team or possibly something else. But I did know this individual reasonably well. And I also knew he had a tendency to be volatile. So uh, in that, on the call, I needed to handle it pretty carefully by not overacting, because I obviously would just make it worse. Well, absolutely. And I mean, like you said, being caught off guard and with the intensity with which it came about. So, I mean, how how did you actually react? How did you handle it? Well, um, I just was pretty candid with them. I said, Bill, I I have no problem taking some heat from you or other members of the team. I stand behind the work that I do. If the team is not following through on its commitments, I need to understand why. Mm -hmm. After he heard this, he backed off a little bit and said, okay, it's, it's not you, it's us as a team. Okay. And I then kind of explained, well, this really isn't a conversation that he and I should have alone. That really should be a conversation we have with a team in an upcoming meeting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he agreed and that's how we ended the call. Okay. So um, that really wasn't the end of it. Uh, so that was just kind of the, the starting point. Right. Uh, I'm sure, as you can imagine, uh, I had to figure out how to handle the meeting with the executives and the team that was happening the day after tomorrow. So were there some things that kicked in or emotions kicked in? Yes, there Mm -hmm. were. Uh, As far as the types of work, since we're talking about uncertainty and risk, I can give you a little bit more about what it was I was dealing with in those two capacities. Yeah, please do. Yes. So as far as the uncertainty goes, I, I didn't know how bad the company performance was. Okay. I, I obviously had a general idea given the way Bill approached the call, mm-hmm. but I didn't have the specifics since that information had just been shared, which is 
really what prompted the call from Bill. Okay. I also didn't know how the other executive team members were reacting to the company performance with each other, nor did I know how this was affecting the team. Right. And since the meeting was only a, a day and a half away, I didn't have enough lead time to talk to any of the other team members to get more information. So there was a fair amount of uncertainty that I, that I had to kind of handle, uh, given what, what I was facing in the meeting coming up in a few days. Right. Of course, as I mentioned before, when you have uncertainty, there is risk. And here are some of the risk I was facing. All right. Uh, Bill, uh, the executive called me. He did have a tendency to throw people under the bus Ooh, okay. or, or, mm-hmm. or unfairly blame them. So I didn't know if he might do this to me in the meeting. Mm. And even though I had a, a good rapport with the team and each team member, they could easily turn their sights on me because of the situation they're facing that may frustrate them, obviously, the way that it frustrated Bill. Right. So guess who could have been the scapegoat? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure, go ahead. No, I I was just going to say, I'm I'm just wondering now with all of this going on in your mind, you know, you're, you're thinking of this meeting that's coming up with such trepidation. I'm wondering what actually happened when the meeting happened. Well, uh, given what I knew about the team and the little information I had, uh, here's what I decided to do. Uh, I needed to find a way to get the team to take responsibility for the progress it had made or, or not made. Okay. And the question I was kind of grappling with was how. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I thought about it, uh, my options were either take a direct approach or an indirect approach. Okay. In the past, uh, I could directly call the team out. You know, for example, you committed to doing these things that didn't happen, so help me understand why. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, they would take it in a positive way. Uh, I had built enough of a rapport with them as a team and individual team members that they knew was coming from the right place. And I even at the beginning of the work with them, I'd shared, you know, my role is not to pass judgment on you as people. My role is to help you become more effective team, team members and leaders of the company. Yes. But uh, given the poor financial performance and how frustrated Bill was, I wasn't sure directly calling them out in the meeting was the best approach. Okay. If the other team members were as frustrated as Bill, my directly calling them out might not be well received as it had been in the past. They could easily miss the message I was trying to convey and go after the messenger, i.e. me. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, it's harder for me to help them. So I thought, okay, well, maybe let's think about an indirect approach that might be more effective. So Mm -hmm. I, and by that, I mean, finding a way to have them or the team call themselves out and then I reinforce it. Okay. Mm. So those are my two options. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I still didn't have a whole lot of information, uh, I decided to wait until I got into the room with the executives to decide which approach to use. Okay. So the the other element of this is really the meeting in the room. Mm-hmm. So once I got in the room, I saw how the team members were interacting or really they weren't interacting with each other. Normally, they would be chatting, joking, laughing. This was not the case at all. Uh, There was a good amount of tension, not much conversation. In the few times a team member engaged with another, it was very brief. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you can imagine, uh, um, I thought, well, the direct approach may not fly here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I decided to use the indirect approach so they could call themselves out. Right. 
the way I did that, I gave them examples of three real teams who are different stages of development and then asked them, okay, where do you see yourselves as a team on this continuum? Mm -hmm. You know, team A, which really wasn't a team, it's just a collection of individuals. Mm -hmm. Team B, which is kind of a working group and team C, which really was more of a high performing team. Okay. And I said, well, you guys tell me, uh, I need to hear from you. Where do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Here was kind of the uh, moment of truth. Uh, Bill was the first one to speak up. Okay. So it was the moment of truth because I was waiting to see if he was going to help call out the team or if he was going to throw me under the bus. Right. <laughs> and fortunately, he he shared uh, the example. He said, "Well, I I think we're you know somewhere between Team A and Team B, which mm-hmm. was not as far as the team had said they wanted to be at that point in time." Okay. Uh, and this helped to prompt the other executives to do the same. Hmm. So now that they kind of called themselves out, that gave me the entry point to reinforce you know, what they'd originally committed to, discuss their level of commitment and what was preventing them from following through on what they committed to. Okay. I mean, they, they had this great opportunity here uh, with this financial performance problem. Yes. Uh, and obviously, there's plenty of, uh, if you want to say, blame to go around, whether it's the head of each division or the executive team overall that let that happen. Mm-hmm. But as I shared with them, I said, you know, this is not going to be the first, nor is it going to be the last time you face this type of adversity. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to respond as team members with each other and to the organization overall? Because you're setting a standard here. Uh, the people and employees in the company are going to see how you respond. And that will obviously kind of set the example of how they feel they should respond when they face adversity. So this is a good opportunity for you. What are you guys going to do about it? Right. And that kind of uh, helped me to kind of move it forward. So uh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, what a what a fantastic view of how something um, was so tenuous in the moment. And I'm talking about the meeting, but because there was a bit of an awareness coming in from Bill specifically, where he kind of interjected and set the tone of how that meeting would go, that you were able to help them realize what was actually going on. And you could come out with, you know, some some ways forward that they could action. And like you said, this was a perfect time and a bit of an inflection point, actually, where things could turn Mm -hmm. around for them. And they recognized it. Absolutely. It was a perfect opportunity. Mm. I mean, coming back to you then in terms, I mean, because you're kind of caught in the middle here still because you didn't know there was uncertainty and risk on your side, how it would go. And obviously, and thankfully, things did pan out, I suppose, well for you as well as well for the client. But what did that do to your sort of level of trust then uh, between you and the client in terms of could this could I be in the situation again if something goes wrong? What what did that do for you? Well, it did affect trust. Okay. Uh, the team calling themselves out and the discussion about their level of commitment and follow through it really helped drive home the need for empathetic candor okay. and mutual accountability among the team members and between the team members and me. Mm-hmm. So the the tricky situation with Bill and the team enabled them to see I was going to hold them accountable just as much as they were going to hold me accountable. Okay. And since accountability is an element of trust, this definitely enhanced it versus okay. hurt it. Okay. Well, that's excellent to hear. And, and in terms of, you know, post that meeting, I mean, what, what was the outcome then of the engagement between you and the client? Did it continue? Was it positive? I hope there was a good story out of it. Well, I, I did continue to work okay. with the executive team and the client in other capacities. So okay. it ended well. 
Okay, well, well, that's great to hear. You know, when when things like this happen in in one's career, in in one's uh, practice or consultancy, and I'm sure our listeners would also um, resonate with this particular um, story that you've shared with us, Ryan. Um, you know, it it really does. You know, in future iterations, does impact us professionally as well as personally. You know, thinking back on this incident. Can you sort of tell where this particular incident has impacted you? It reinforced that you cannot eliminate uncertainty, but you can control its impact. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, it helps you manage risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, There will continue to be situations you have not encountered before or similar ones where something new is added. Obviously, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned before, that creates uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In the example I shared, you know, part of that was the bad company performance Uh, More importantly, how the team and each executive was reacting to it, whether Bill was going to throw me under the bus like Mm -hmm. he had done to other people in the past, Mm -hmm. and how the rest of the team was going to respond. Mm -hmm. So this involves risk where you need to make decisions and take action. Mm -hmm. Uh, The thing that I want to emphasize here is in in some cases, you have some lead time to help you prepare. In other cases, you may need to do more of that in real time. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. As much as we want things to be black and white, there is usually a lot of gray Mm-hmm. Or a lot of gray area, and we just need to be comfortable finessing the gray. Okay, that's that's really good. Um, sort of a, a review then of of what actually needs to happen. Okay, I, li- I like that. And, and if you know, as you're talking, what came to my mind was like a bit of a framework as well in terms of how one can handle a situation like this. So you know, for our listeners, Ryan, if they're in a similar situation to what you had been in in their professional mm-hmm. environment, what could they? What sort of framework could they use to to work through it? Well, I can give them a bit of a head start since okay. I, I created a framework based on my work across 20 industries and an analysis of 10 years of leadership assessments. Brilliant, brilliant. So it identifies essentials that deal with what you think about a process on your own prior okay. to and during tricky situations. Mm-hmm. These are more intrapersonal in nature. Okay. It, it also addresses how you relate to others as you deal with the uncertainty and risk in these situations. So it's, those are more interpersonal in nature. Yeah. I'll give you a couple examples here. Pardon me. So the intrapersonal ones are really more foundational. For example, uh, one involves considering the type and severity of the situation, who's in it or impacted by it, who can influence it and how they do so. Mm. It really relates to reading the situation and the stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Another one of the intrapersonal ones deals with what are you bringing to the situation in terms of strengths and limitations that can help you deal with the uncertainty and risk Mm -hmm. or possibly getting in in your way. Mm -hmm. And that's really more about leveraging self-awareness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The uh, other kind of interpersonal one is really about using those first two to come up with strategies you can use that are more likely to produce the outcome you want. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this really relates to anticipating the impact of different approaches. So that's what I mean by more the intrapersonal ones. Right. On on the interpersonal side, uh, for example, how measured should you be with others in those tricky situations? Should Mm -hmm. you use more of a a velvet glove or soft approach Mm -hmm. or more of a steel hand or harder assertive approach or something in between those two. Mm-hmm. And this one is really more about conveying a measured presence. That kind of gives you a flavor of what I mean by the framework. Right. Uh, you know, I love how you've you've gone both into the internal 
uh, side of it, the self-awareness, the self-development, and then also the calibration for when the context arises as well in terms of how much of an emphasis you should put and where. Um, and, you know, a lot of the time when I'm when I'm speaking to people or I'm coaching people, a lot of the, the issue starts with a level of confidence, self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, as you were talking and I'm thinking about if somebody's in a situation facing uncertainty, facing risk, if the confidence level isn't there, um, despite all your best efforts, things may not actually end well. So maybe share a little bit of your thoughts on one what one can do to build up that confidence, Ryan, so that you can actually tackle these sort of situations. Well, the framework I just mentioned to you deals with the way you carry yourself as well as understand, process, and skillfully or deftly perform in tricky situations like mm-hmm. the one I described to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's evident by the way you respond in real time and points in the future. So that that description of two sentence description I just gave you, that's mm-hmm. really how I define finesse mm-hmm. in a business setting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I'm talking about finesse, it's not just a matter of knowledge. It is really more a matter of proficiency. Okay. So in talking about building your confidence, that involves you know building proficiency in finesse. Right. And there are a few steps you can take to do that. Uh, first is by understanding what is your starting point or your baseline proficiency in the essentials that I just described or elements of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you want to kind of experiment with it, practice the essentials in low risk situations to build on your baseline. Okay. Once you have greater proficiency, apply them in higher risk situations to increase your depth and breadth. And then as you do those last two steps, gauge the quality of your performance by obtaining input so you can further refine it. So those are some high level uh, starting mm. points for how you can build your confidence. Mm, lovely, lovely. And, and you, you know, as you were talking about, like you mentioned, your, your sort of finesse framework and proficiency, one can very easily translate that to what we need to do in a business context as well. You know, whether we're a startup, entrepreneur, a big multinational. So how mm. does one actually bring that in the finesse, the proficiency in a, in a business environment to deal with uncertainty and risk? Well, again, you can't eliminate uncertainty, but you can control its impact with helps mm-hmm. you manage risk. The, mm-hmm. the point is to, as you face each situation, start out by using the foundational essentials to help you kind of read what's the situation you're walking into, how severe is it, who's in it with you, what are you yeah. bringing into it, yeah. and come up with approaches that you are more likely to make you successful. <clears throat> so going uh, back to uh, the situation I had, mm-hmm. uh, I actually was using that framework I just described to you to handle it uh, as best I could. Oh, so yeah. I came up with the different approaches. I went with the indirect approach that gave me at least a way, some form of control to help me handle or manage the risk that I had. And that's okay. uh, that's kind of the point here. The point yeah. is to get proficient at handling the uncertainty and risk so you can rise to the occasion. Right. Okay. Well, I I love it. It it really does mean we we actually need to practice at it. To be honest, that's how you build up proficiency in anything mm-hmm. that we do. Right. Brilliant, Ryan. Uh, there's been some really really great nuggets of information here. The framework sounds powerful yet simple, um, and and I think that's something that we all can kind of in, implement. I'd really love it if you could share sort of one key takeaway for our listeners um, about dealing with uncertainty, with risk, anything that should really be the one thing that they would want to implement immediately? Well, we we may not want situations to be, be more black and white when it comes to making decisions and taking action. There's always going to be gray area. Mm-hmm. They're probably more than you think. So my suggestion is make your peace with that 
and finesse the gray. So if there's one mm-hmm. thing I would want you to take away is learn to get comfortable and proficient at finessing the gray. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's a, that's a beautiful way to look at it. All right. We, I can't believe it. The time is, is come to the end, right? It's been, either. it's been fascinating talking to you. I, I'd love it if we could leave on a bit of a parting shot from you. Um, sure. Maybe, maybe something along the lines of your favorite quote or song lyric or something that actually motivates and inspires you to keep going. For me, it's, it's not necessarily a quote or song lyric. It's a, uh, a Finnish term or concept okay. uh, called Sisu, S-I-S-U. Mm-hmm. I, I am an American, but my heritage, like most people, is a blend of nationalities. Yes. Uh, a primary one for me is Finnish. My last okay. name is very Finnish. Okay. So Sisu, uh, roughly translated, is tenacity, perseverance, and acting rationally in the face of adversity. Mm. So here's another Sisu moment, that'll, and they will continue to happen. How am I going to respond? All right. Brilliant. I love that. Tenacity, one of my favorite words. (laughs) Ryan, thank you so much for joining me on the Inspire Your Life podcast show today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode today. If you like what you heard, rate the episode and podcast and feel free to write a review plus of course share with others too i love talking around topics like these so if you like my perspective or insight on a subject close to your heart or something that you're grappling with reach out to me in your comments or send me an email via my website or connect with me via linkedin instagram or facebook all my social media on the podcast information. If it's important to you, then it's important to me. So happy listening to the Inspire Your Life podcast and catch you soon on the next episode. Bye.